Welcome to the Film Coterie. I'm Roger. I'm Adam. And this is episode 59 for the week of August 31st, 2018. What's up, Adam? I think we should talk about what happened to episode 58. We Mis- did. Re- we have recorded an episode 58, but there's not been a 58 that's appeared online. The mysterious episode 58. Yes. Um... It was probably the best episode we ever did. I'm just being honest with you. I think it probably is the best episode we've ever done. And the short story is recorded on the MacBook uh, on location at the the office there. Brought home. And two days later, MacBook stolen out of car. Nefarious purposes. And never recovered, even though I believe I thought for certain I had airdropped it to the home office here. And it still may be in the interwebs somewhere. I've got like, when you have like six Dropbox accounts, (laughs) I've got to go through them all and see which one I dropped it into. Hopefully I can find it. And if it, if it, if it comes, if it comes to fruition, we will deliver it to you fine folks listening to the podcast. It's still lurking out there, maybe somewhere. So Adam, for those that might be just checking out the film Coterie, explain to them what this podcast is. We're a general film podcast. We go see movies every Thursday, and then we talk about these movies. Not just between ourselves, we share that with you through this podcast. We love movies, and we hope if you're listening to this that you love movies too. So we'd love it if you reach out to us on our social media. Tell us what you're watching. Tell us what you think of what you're watching. Absolutely. And, um, you know, it's exciting. We're in our, uh, we're cruising right along in our third year here, and... We've got some big news. We have an announcement. Do we want to make that announcement yeah, just yet? We can. Go ahead, Adam. Give them the give them the good news. Uh, we're a little more official than we used to be. <laughs> so we used to get screening passes through the Owens Group, hit or miss. Occasionally they'd pop up. Uh, we're now on their official critics list, so we should have access to all the weekly screenings for the major studios such as Disney, Fox, Warner Brothers, Sony, and some of the more independent studios. So... We're hoping we're going to be able to bring you a lot more content. We won't have to wait till Thursday to see the movies when they come out in general release. We'll be seeing them in advance. So this is bigger for us because now we can schedule a little bit better and not just have uh, what are we going to watch Thursday night kind of episode. Yeah. So we're slowly creeping toward some sort of legitimacy. I don't know. We're still two guys in a basement. We'll be honest with you. <laughs> but you know what? This is This is awesome. We have a passion for movies. We love movies. We love to talk about movies. I think we do. We cover at least four film festivals a year. And yeah. I, I think we give pretty good coverage to those festivals. Um, and now... Considering the manpower at our disposal, yes. me and Roger. <laughs> and um, all things considered, now this is kind of a reward for that. And, and somebody recognizing, hey, you guys are putting out some good you know, content. I do know that uh, the festivals that we do cover... Most of them give us really glowing reviews and thank us for um, the the detail to which we spend time there to cover their festivals. But yeah, so so thank you to Julianne who reached out to us, the representative from the Owens Group, and let us know that we're officially on the list and we'll be getting press screeners and early screeners and uh, starting next week. Hopefully, we'll that that's the first step to saving on the wallet just a little bit. You yeah, know? that'll help. So. And speaking of film festivals, uh, Fantastic Fest is now three weeks away. Yes. They've released the first two waves of movies. We're hoping a third wave gets announced. It usually does, but we're hoping next week, maybe next Wednesday. That's a great time. If you're at Fantastic Fest, make sure to look for me. I'll be lurking around, seeing a bunch of movies. So 
Yep, did we just lose something? It's it's this here, Adam. Don't worry. You were good. Okay. Yeah, we're still working in the studio to get it. We have a loose wire, so it's good. It's recording fine. Do you have? Did you lose all your audio? We'll work on that. So <laughs> go ahead. And then uh, Nightmares Film Festival September thirteenth is their final deadline. So if you have an awesome horror movie, get it submitted. Nightmares is a great time in Columbus, Ohio. So I highly, highly recommend either come check out the festival or you get your film submitted to it. Yep, absolutely. And um, we covered two. We have two more festivals that we'll cover. Besides, you know, besides Fantastic Fest, we have Nightmares Film Festival, and so. Um, I'm excited. We're kind of halfway through our film festival season for us as far as co- coverage. We've done Overlook and we've done uh, Film Festival Columbus Focal. Yep, absolutely. Which and was on the missing episode. We do apologize yes, for that. Yes, I'm so sorry. And uh, we had a great time at the Film Festival of Columbus. And uh, hopefully we'll be able to find that episode and put it up for you so you can kind of hear about our adventures five days at the theater. So it's pretty exciting. So what else has been happening since we, it's been, it feels like it's been a few weeks since we podcast because of the missing episode. What else has been happening, man? Not a lot. I mean, it's summer movie season's winding down. Uh, Crazy Rich Asians, which we are going to review tonight, has come out and it's dominated two weekends in a row. There was just a very slight 6% drop weekend to weekend, and that's almost unheard of. So great performance. It's going to do well again this weekend. So the other movie we're talking about this evening is Searching. A all on the screen, when I I mean that literally, the whole movie takes place on a computer screen that you're watching, thriller mystery with John Cho, and that will be out this week. If you're hearing this podcast, it's probably in a theater near you. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I asked you this on our way to over to the theater when we were at dinner, I think, or either as we were going into the theater. It would be interesting to go back and look at the last five years, August summer releases it kind of feels like i gotta be honest and 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 we try not to be negative on films we love films nobody sets out to make a bad movie but so we try not to be overly negative but i gotta say it seems like august is the dumping zone for summer movies that 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 these hollywood producers just want to get out and get it over with and get it done if one sticks great but I tell you that the the options on Thursday night have not been very stellar the last month. Yeah, um, and we haven't even seen some of the worst of it. We skipped Darkest Minds, and we haven't seen Happy Time Murders, which critically have been slaughtered. But you know, I've actually heard some good fan buzz for Happy Time Murders, and that's something I may check out at home video. Yep, absolutely. So, but tonight we have. Searching, which I'm excited to to go over, and I think we just ought to jump right into it. Sounds good. All right, why don't we take a little listen to the trailer of Searching. I'm Margo. I haven't been able to reach Margo. When was the last time you saw her? The study group only went till nine. I think we're gonna go late. No, she definitely left at nine. Did she mention anything unusual? Was she acting strange? I'm Margo. Where are you? She's been transferring funds for the last six months. I'm Margo. We found blood in the vehicle. How did David respond? These problems usually start in the household. Mr. Kim, is everything okay? Everything is great. Margo and I are She had cash in her car. He felt bad about everything. She was my best friend. Oh my God. Told me she ran away! 
know her. I didn't know my daughter. Okay, the first movie we're going to be talking about tonight is Searching. This is a thriller mystery. The whole movie unfolds as if it's on a computer screen. You're watching a lot of the characters in FaceTime calls. You're seeing what they search on Google. Um, you're watching their reaction as they, they Skype with other people or they, they find videos. So it's not a traditional narrative, at least the way it's shot. That's the biggest change for this movie. This is the fourth style film of, of this genre that I've seen. The first one I saw was Open Windows by Nacho Vigalondo that had Elijah Wood in it. I don't know that that movie ever really came out outside of Fantastic Fest. And then both Unfriended movies from Blumhouse were shot this way. Unfriended Dark Web also came out this summer. And now this one, which is Searching. So, Roger, this is your first experience with a movie of this nature. Yeah, yeah, it is, Adam. And, you know, when you first told me about the, the format, how that the whole entire movie will be seen from the perspective of a computer screen... I thought, isn't that going to get old really quick? I mean, an hour and a half of looking. But what happens is, is your mind immediately about 15 minutes in makes the switch and you're just watching a movie. It's just the delivery mechanism. And they use some really nice, um, you know, if you know social media and if you know um, computers a little bit, it, it, they use some nice kind of uh, history about computers, just some cool stuff with this movie. But specifically, they um like draw you in from one screen to another. I'm not I'm not sure how to really like they'll use music and then I mean I never thought I would get kind of on the edge of my seat with a, a hovering over a uh, uh, with a mouse hovering over something whether he's going to click or not. You know. So uh, a big difference in the genre, and I I don't even know that it has a name yet is that when I saw Open Windows, it was super static. It was a computer screen where the camera really didn't move around, and you were just watching the screen as windows opened and closed, hence Open Windows and what they were doing. Since then, with the Unfriended movies and with this movie, there's a lot more camera movement in the screen. They were sliding around the screen. There's better right. cuts. It's not just a static image, and that that progression has made all the difference for the genre. After Open Windows, I was able to write this off and call it a stupid gimmick. I don't think it would work. But now that I've seen more films, they draw you in and it, it keeps you involved. And it's it's that dynamic motion of the the virtual camera. Really helps. Yeah, no, I, I would agree. And, um, oh, you know, I, I really think that the use of different types of, like, it's just it's just not all YouTube videos. It's just not all... Like you were saying, it's just not all FaceTime chats. It's just not all. Sometimes they would cut to a actual <clears throat> like CNN breaking news and it would go full screen like you were watching a CNN report. Yeah. So in one scene, he may be texting somebody and he gets a clue. So he Googles it. So it's right there, right? He minimizes the, t the chat. He's Googling something. And he finds the results and then he <coughs> makes a FaceTime call. Right. So there's a lot of stuff going on, and you can keep up with it. It's not too fast. He's multitasking, but yet you can follow along. Yeah, and it, it keeps you involved instead of just this kind of static, slow screen. There's a lot more dynamic action. I will say this movie, I think, is really well paced. Um, it's, a, it's under two hours. It's a little over 90 minutes. It didn't really feel like it dragged at any point. I thought they did a good job spreading out the breadcrumbs, and you never felt like you are in one area too long. Um, the mystery developed because it's about a missing girl. So John Cho plays the lead, David Kim. His daughter, Margot, goes missing one night. She was going to a study group and vanishes, and the next day he realizes she didn't come home. So he's trying to find out what happened to her. 
And he, he learned stuff about his daughter. She didn't really have any friends. He didn't know her like he thought he did. And that's the mystery is what happened yeah. to her. Where did she go? I think the thing I loved about this movie was if you listen to the trailer pieces that we played, you know, before we jumped in to talk about this, and if you actually go to YouTube and watch that trailer, it makes you think that this is much more of a horror movie. And it's really not. It, it is a nice, nice paced thriller. Mm-hmm. Um, it, mystery. It, mystery. Uh, it's going to take some turns, but it doesn't ever really go super dark, in my opinion, you know? And here's the good thing is, you know, as I was driving to your place, I was kind of reworking the movie in my head. If you see this a second time, everything works. I don't think they took any wild twists and turns that invalidate the earlier parts of this movie. In fact, I think right. it actually makes it better if you watch it a second time. There'll be things you catch, and it all adds up. It's not a super outlandish tale. It doesn't go to the extreme. Yeah, no, absolutely. And so the medium for me, surprisingly, just really works. You know, I really enjoyed it. Um, it's a nice change of pace. It's something new for me I've never experienced before. I will say this, though. When they would cut to the the local news casts and the CNN casts, it felt, I, I know maybe it wasn't, but it felt like it was not a computer screen. Like they went to, they just actually cut to a newscast, you know? And so... But but do you think that they were trying to imply that the, the whole entire movie was from the perspective of a computer screen or just from screens? Screens. Okay. Because it jumps between characters sometimes on the computer screen. Yes. Okay. So it just screens in general. It's it's presented as we spend much of our lives, you know, staring at these screens and how we interact with them. Well, and, and I think, Adam, and sorry to interrupt, I think that's the actual point of the movie is... That's how we interact today. We are an online social media interacting society. And people say, how much of a story can you really convey over a medium like that? Well, in the case of searching, you can convey a really good story, you know? Yeah. And to its strengths, I almost think if this story is told better in the format it is on the screen than if they'd shot it like a traditional narrative, because they're able to give us so much exposition. For instance, we find out lots of people in their little bios or in their contact information. And I mean, and just seeing what he's Googling, you don't need a character to explain what he found on the internet. You're reading it with right. him. Right. You're discovering it as he's discovering it. And another thing I would praise about the script for this movie is that his search for her felt really natural. Like it felt like everything he was doing is what a despondent father would yes. do. And he was smart. Yes. We were never really ahead of him because sometimes it's annoying in a movie if you, the audience, are two steps ahead of the protagonist. Yes. And that wasn't the case here. We were right alongside him the whole way. Yes, absolutely. I felt like I I became that father during the movie. Absolutely. Now, I'll say this as well. I thought it was a really interesting commentary on teenagers and high schoolers and how they interact with each other on social media. I don't know how realistic it was, but the idea that when he's researching, he's he's going on social media and he's contacting all her friends on social media in real life. Mm-hmm. And this is not really giving anything away from the movie, but most of them didn't hardly know her at all or didn't even interact with her. She had like 300 friends. Hardly, none of them interacted with her on a daily basis. Yet when it blew up and, and, and the story is going national, all of a sudden, all those kids knew her so well, and they were her best friend, and they're crying. And and you're like, oh, it really makes you wonder when you see some of these stories on CNN, how much is really real that you're seeing, you know? 
Yeah, I think that for sure happens when there's a tragedy in a school and people will jump on it. Yeah, it's like they're getting their minute of fame by becoming the best friend of the person who something tragic has happened to, you know. But uh, what other things stand out to you from this movie um, from a from an acting perspective? What did you think about the leads in the film? Uh, good. I mean, the main lead is really uh, John Cho, who plays Kim. You'll recognize him. He's the current Sulu. Um, he got his start from my first song in Harold and Kumar as Harold. Um, he's good. I mean, he's he's on the screen the most. I mean, second most screen time would probably go to the detective. She was serviceable. I didn't I didn't catch her name, but you know yeah, she's fine. Uh, Deborah Messing, I think. Was that Deborah Messing? I believe it was, wasn't it? Yeah. Let me. Uh, what what we'll do some wonderful uh, searching here and find out. Oh, maybe. I don't know. But anyway, go ahead, Adam. And then second, I mean, third most screen time is probably the daughter, Margot. Even though she goes missing for the movie. Yeah, it was Deborah Messing. I, I didn't recognize her for some reason. Uh, even though <laughs> she goes missing, you see a lot of older videos of her. So, I mean, she is throughout the movie. Um, all the leads were good. I thought they had a good chemistry together as a despondent father-daughter because the wife does die in the opening credits. That's not a spoiler. Um, you'll see they did a really good job with these credits too because yes. they yeah t- they, exp- yeah explain how the op- this is not really giving anything away but kind of tell them how the movie opens. It opens with a much earlier version of Windows, so it's right. kind of going through their whole life. Margot's a little girl; she's just being born. It's Windows ninety five or whatever, and we see the different iterations yep. of Windows, and then we see the family switch over to Mac, which has happened in a lot of families. Yeah, and you see videos of her growing up, and you see the computer progressing. So you see them go from AOL to Facebook to all the new social medias. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Uh, I thought John Cho was excellent. And, man, you know, maybe this is a very contained, you know, piece of work for him. But he was fine as the lead. He carried it just fine, you know. Uh, I thought he was strong. I didn't think he looked – I didn't think he was lost at any point in time playing a father of a teenage girl. I bought it, you know. And most of the time he's acting by himself. I mean, there'd be someone else reading lines, but he's acting towards – a camera. A, ca- a camera. And acting like he's being on a computer. Yeah. Well, yeah, he's, there's only, I think, that I know of maybe two scenes in the whole movie where there's another person in the camera with him, you know? Uh, maybe, well, when you count the CNN videos and that kind of stuff, maybe a couple more. But but for the most part, it's him and a camera mm-hmm. and did a great job. It, you know, surprisingly, though, I would not have thought he was old enough to play a, a dad that had a teenage high schooler because i'm thinking sulu from star trek you know but he pulls it off he yeah. He, he, he yeah i guess he he yeah he he just nails it i absolutely liked him a lot i thought the girl margo was okay you know um and deborah messing i think gave a really solid performance as the detective a very honest a very realistic performance you know um so Overall, I, I you know I have to say that don't let the trailer put you off of this movie. If you if you're kind of thinking, well, I don't do horror, like, you know, this is to me, this is not unfriended. You know, this isn't that kind of a horror. There's no jump scares, no gore. Yeah, you know, it's, it's, it's all tension. It's, it's tension. Yeah. It's suspense. It it it's not it's not really Hitchcockian. It doesn't really border on Hitchcock suspense. But there is some tension and suspense in the film. I, I really enjoyed it. Um, and it does have tons of twists and turns. Yes. It's going to keep the mainstream audience engaged. It's what yeah. they're kind of expecting from this story. 
And I don't know how this was filmed, but we got a little insight into Enfriended Dark Web when we were at Overlook. Right. They were telling us the way they had set it up was in a warehouse. They built six bedroom sets right next to each other. And the actors would all be sitting in front of basically a camera and then a monitor that was like linked to Video Village. So when they were, because they're all on a group Google Hangout. Right. Unfriended. Yes. So they filmed a ton of improv for about a week of these. They're playing board games together. They're interacting. So they can act towards the camera like they're on a computer and they can see and hear everybody in the video village from the other bedroom wow, sets. that's really cool. So that's how they worked it here. I don't know if they filmed in a real house for this movie, if it was just sets, but the cool thing about this style of movie is the directors can film a ton of coverage. They did all kinds of story angles for Unfriended Dark Web, and actually when they released it, depending on what theater you went to, there's three different endings for Unfriended. And, and like I said, I don't know if they had that much improv or room to play with in right. this film. But the directors could shoot a ton of coverage that way, easily. Yeah, excellent. So uh, that's that's searching. I would recommend it. It's in the theaters. Uh, as you're hearing this podcast, it's in theaters now. And I think it'd be worth worth your time. You as if well, you like them. mysteries and you're liking the stuff on Netflix, all the Scandinavian murder mysteries, definitely, definitely check this out. All right. All right, we're going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to get into Crazy Rich Asians. You're listening to the Film Coterie Podcast. I met a girl, I fell in love, and I want to marry her. You're Nicholas Young. You're untouchable. But Rachel's not. Have you prepped Rachel to face the wolves? You know I'm back, like I never left. I really admire you. It takes guts coming all the way over here, facing Nick's family. Another day, another breath. I know this much. You will never be enough. You know, it's about time someone stood up to Auntie Eleanor. Well, you, not me. Oh, God. She can't know I was over here. I feel glorious, glorious. Got a chance to stop I was born for this, born for this. Ever since I can remember, my family has been my whole life. Rachel, Rachel. If Nick chose me, he would lose his family. And if he chose his family, he might spend the rest of his life resenting you. You nasty, you kind of nasty, you got nastier. Glorious, glorious. All right, and that was a little sampling of Crazy Rich Asians. I hope you enjoyed that. Um, Adam, explain to our listeners what is the background around this story. What is the the what is the what what's what's going on here with Crazy Rich Asians? What is this movie? Well, one, it's a cultural phenomenon, but two, it's based on a book of the same name. It's sort of a hidden prince story in that this lady's been dating a guy. She just knows he was raised by his aunt. She doesn't really know much else about him other than he's a nice guy. They're about to be engaged, and they're flying back for another wedding in Singapore where he's from. Well, when she gets there, she learns that he's a family is crazy rich Asians. They're multi-billionaires. They yeah, own, they're just not like rich millionaires. Oh, no. This is Singapore, developing Singapore. Yes. They're, <laughs> they're actually the old money there because you see the difference yes. here between old money and some new money there. Uh they're huge landowners and huge deal makers. The family's incredibly rich, so she's brought into this world where she, because it's a romantic comedy, of course, butts head with, with his mother, who doesn't think she's good enough for her son. Yeah. Very beautifully shot. This actually had a higher budget than normal for a lot of rom-coms. It was shot for about $30 million over in Singapore. And just... And that's that's in Singapore, where $30 million is $90 million here, you know? Yeah. I mean, so big budget. I mean, this yeah. is this is a really slick looking movie. I'm sorry. Go ahead. 
And that's it. It's a romantic comedy. It's a lot of fun. It's been a huge hit this summer, and it, they're already fast-tracking a sequel. I don't think there's a sequel book, so the sequel movie will explore these characters as they go on from where the movie lets off. Yeah. And really, the maybe the only really major name in this movie was Michelle Yeoh. To us. To us. To, yeah. Yes, to us in America, from Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, and uh, Bond. the Bond Bond films, you know, the Bond film with uh, Pierce Brosnan and, and stuff, so... Um, I, I really like this movie a lot. I mean, I, you know, I took my daughter, first of all, you know, give me an excuse to go see a rom-com and that's kind of my, my guilty pleasure is I enjoy a good rom-com. I, yeah. I, I'm a sucker for a good romantic story, you know, and, um, the story itself is not, is like you said, it's the hidden print, hidden print story, nothing new here, but, um, it was amazing to see, and my daughter made this comment as well. She said, all Asian cast. And, you know, they, they they didn't fall into any real, they didn't go Hollywood stereotyping. It was great to see. They did, they, they went absolutely stereotype in the rom-com. It was the pure rom-com format, you know, yes. but it was done very well. Very, I mean, just excellent. And, um, uh, it's shot beautifully. It's good acting. There's good comedic moments when you need them. Um, I loved um, Aquafina. Yes, Aquafina. <laughs> she was great, She's hilarious. You know, because you need that. You know, when you have this awestruck young girl who's like, "Oh my God, what am I going to do?" You need that crazy, high energy best friend to push you into where you need to go. And she just fit the bill perfectly. Yes, yeah, so Aquafina. Uh, she plays the best friend in the movie. She's part of the new money. Her whole family is strange, and they're they're really the comedic elements of the yes. movie. Her dad is played by Ken Jeong, who you'll recognize from the Hangover movies, and the, he was Dr. Ken on that show, and you'll definitely recognize her dad, but the whole family of hers is really funny. Yep. And good story. The lead, um, I thought he was great as well, too. Uh, Constance Wu played the uh, played the, the heroine in the film. She's good. They, and they had actually pretty good chemistry together, too. Yeah. And, and, you know, what I liked was it, it was a rom-com that was a little bit reserved in the sense of sometimes a lot of rom-coms, they try to go over the top and make them really comedic and then pull your heartstrings right at the or end. Or have some heightened elements. Or have heightened elements yeah. that are just unrealistic. It really, they, they never did this with crazy rich Asians, you know? I mean, there is a reunion at the airport, the don't go moment. I mean, this has all the moments yes. you expect. No, no, no. That is the rom-com formula. <laughs> yes, it is. They follow, trust me, there's nothing new <laughs> yeah. in this movie. Right. They follow the rom-com formula. We all know what it is. Young couple in love or young couple that finds love in each other. And then something separates them. They get challenged. There's a challenge. Looks like there's no hope. They both have to develop or evolve. And they have to rise up, and then they end up coming back together at the very end. You Usually know. at an airport. Usually at an airport. <laughs> this yeah. time it was on an airplane, but you know. <laughs> but no, I, I, I really enjoyed the movie, and it's it's a fun movie. Um, it's definitely, if you're looking for a date night and you just, you're just you just wanting to get out and go to the theaters on a Tuesday night, catching a $5 special or something, go Crazy Rich Asians is worth seeing. It's really good, you know. Yeah, it's the it's the um the aspects from Singapore that really separate. Like I get it. It's the food looks great in the movie, the the visuals, the locales are usually unique. And there's an interesting story I I heard from Michelle Yeoh. So her character plays the mother of the fiance husband. 
and you know she doesn't think the lead is good enough for her son and she's got this really gaudy ring like the biggest emerald you've ever seen yes and that is actually michelle Yeoh's real ring no way so the story goes during production they showed her all the mock-ups and the fake rings she thought they all looked terrible and she's like oh no i i got something we can use so she had it flown in or whatever and she bought herself this ring after her first big multi-million dollar payday on a movie. It was treating herself to buy something she would never would have normally purchased. So that is a real ring. That's cool. That Michelle Yeoh actually bought for herself after a success in her career. Yeah. So um, that's a cool story, Adam. So, so where, where does this, you know, a lot of people are saying groundbreaking film, all Asian cast, huge success, mm-hmm. big, big box over, big box office um, success. Already talking a sequel as Hollywood does immediately. It probably won't be nearly as good as the original because they never are. No. But people all will flock to them and it'll make a bunch well, of I money. Mean, do you want to go see the sequel? No. You don't? I, I don't really. I mean. I mean, I would. I mean, I I would go see a sequel I, to this. Because I know where the sequel is going to go. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> but you know where this one was going to go. I know, but. I, you know, there's a, who's going to be the villain in the next one? I mean, you know, I, I just... An ex-lover. I don't know. See, it's already cheapened and less than the... <laughs> yeah. The original was fine. If you if you don't touch this film and just leave it alone, then it will go into the annals as a great rom-com. And, all, and then what's going to happen is they're going to make two or three more sequels and they're each going to get worse. I don't want them to make a sequel. I'm not looking forward to going to the next one. Okay. Well, I am. I will happily go see the next one. <laughs> I know, and I'll go with you because that's what we do. And your daughter will go. And... and my daughter will go with me. Well, here's the crazy thing is that the rumor is that even before this release, as they were getting closer to the date, there were still some studio forces just saying, we need to just put this out on Netflix or Amazon and let them buy it. John Cho, the director, I'm sorry, Chu, the director, was confident, and the other producers were confident. So there was a battle just to get this in theaters. And after Black Panther's success, it is kind of surprising to me. It's made abundantly clear that inclusion matters. Yep, absolutely. We're seeing it in these movies, and I'm excited that this is going to diversify, hopefully, the lineups we get in movies, that studios are now going to take risks where they normally wouldn't before. I mean, the studio wouldn't normally, prior to this year, spend $30 million on an all-Asian cast romantic comedy. It would seem too risky. This movie's killing it at the box office yeah. in the U.S. Audiences want to see this, and, like, I mean, they're saying... Roughly 30% of the audiences that have seen it are Asian, and that's up from the 6% normal. But that still means there's 70% of the audience that aren't Asian that are flocking to this movie. They're also seeing huge numbers of repeat viewers. So this is content that people want, and I'm glad it's finally coming out. Yep, I am too, and uh, I think it'd be worth your time to go to the theater and see. I think it's very enjoyable. Um, and this is kind of—it's great to see. I mean, you know, the movie we saw today was eth- eth- ethnically diverse. You know, yeah. And um, I think it's awesome. I can't wait to see continued movies like this. You know, um, not necessarily sequels, but <laughs> well. And I'm I'm a little bit blind to this issue because I watch so many foreign movies throughout the year, Fantastic Fest, everything else. I don't realize sometimes how white American movies can be. So if you're watching world cinema. 
you're already used to seeing yeah. very diverse casts and different stories. So I'm glad that and great, American audiences are embracing this more. And great acting yeah. by our world actors. I mean, there's some, oh, great, yeah. there's some great stuff that's out there. And so maybe the film coterie needs to do a little bit better job of pointing you <laughs> in the direction of some world cinema that would really be been, really be worth you watching. You know, The problem is getting access to the world cinema that can be a challenge sometimes. Well, and I think Crazy Rich Asians may have helped kick down some doors, you know? Yeah. So we'll see, but I'm hopeful. I'm hopeful that and with Netflix, it's easier than ever to watch a lot of world cinema. So like I said, it, we'll, we'll do our better job of trying to point to the stuff that we've seen and really liked. At least the stuff we've seen that we liked and is good, yeah. you know? Because sometimes, granted being, especially with a platform like a Netflix, you got to wade through some stuff that's not so great. But you will find a gem out there, absolutely. All right, any final thoughts on uh, Crazy Rich Asians? Hands down, one of the best romantic comedies I've seen in years. I feel comfortable saying that. I do, too. I think my, my wife has not seen it yet, but I think she'll love it. And I think as soon as it's – I already know the day it's available on iTunes, we'll own it, and it'll be a family movie night. So Your daughter did, I believe, declare it was the best of the summer among the best. Yep, absolutely. So. so. That's going to wrap it up for Crazy Rich Asians. When we come back, we're going to look at our preview, what's coming up in the weeks to come. Um, I'm, I can tell you right now, I'm not looking forward to next week's movie, but we'll talk about that after the bumper. You're listening to the Film Coterie Podcast. All right, and we're back, and in our final segment for today's podcast, we're going to talk about coming attractions. So, Adam, tell the listening audience what you're going to be dragging me to next week and forcing me to watch. The leaves are starting to fall. You can get pumpkin lattes, spice pumpkin lattes at certain oh, retailers. Oh, I know. What does that mean? Halloween is nearly upon us. We, we've started the countdown in the first horror movie of the year, at least for Halloween, is coming out next week, and it is The Nun, the newest entry in the Conjuring universe. So I'm going to drag Roger to it. Yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to man up and go see The Nun, and there's a good possibility we'll have some guest hosts. If things work out, we will not be alone next week. Yep, so you're going to want in to tune in and check that out and see if I survived The Nun or if I'm over in the corner crying and they're trying to get me to come on the podcast. <laughs> The trailer for the nun gets Roger every time. We've seen it ten times. I jump every. I, I the even creature from the left that comes out at the end of the trailer. Yes, gets him. I, it gets me every time, and it gets people on YouTube. I've heard stories that when the YouTube trailer comes about, people are like, "Oh no, not this again!" Please, the nun has been terrorizing everybody for months. I know, but you've you have opened my eyes. The Conjuring has a whole cinematic universe. It does, and, and so explain to our listening audience if they might not maybe. I had no, I had not being a horror nut. I had no clue that these are all interconnected movies. So explain, just give us the real quick synopsis of how this universe is connected together. So the two leads are Ed and Lorraine Warren. They are the authors of the infamous Amityville Horror, the real book. And this Conjuring universe has investigated their other mysteries, the other investigations they look into. It's all quote unquote based on a true story, but. 
There's no playing around. In the Conjuring universe, there are ghosts, there are poltergeists, there are demons. And this couple faces them down and gets the artifacts. They In Conjuring, they introduced Annabelle. Annabelle's had her own spinoffs. In Conjuring 2, they introduced the nun and the crooked man. So now we're getting the spinoff on the nun. The nun herself has showed up in Conjuring 2 and actually the second Annabelle. I believe she's in there as well. And we're going to get a crooked man movie as well. And then finally a, a third Conjuring. They have not even gotten to the Amityville part of their story yet, so I don't know if that's going to be the final Conjuring movie or what they're going to do. But these movies have made a killing at the box office worldwide. Outside of Marvel, I think they're the only studio that are handling a cinematic universe well within these films. And I'm excited for The Nun just based on the quality of the other products, even though there's not really a shared director here. Okay. Excellent. Um, And I will be reporting on The Nun next week, so... Um, what's after the nun with the following week? The predator. Which, the nun, the predator. The predator is more my speed. Shane Black. Yep. And that's the only reason I'm jacked about it is Shane Black because yeah. when you just say the predator, I'm like, ah, okay, whatever. And it's not had good trailers. But Shane Black is behind this, and the man can tell a story. A fun story. Yeah, absolutely. So hopefully, to be a fun end of the summer movie. Yeah. So, And then after that, I'm off to Fantastic Fest. So we'll have some episodes we'll record ahead of time. We'll do a Fantastic Fest preview. Yep. And then follow me on social media during Fantastic Fest to see what I think of the movies because I'm excited. I'm honest. Fantastic Fest is opening with Halloween, so I couldn't be happier with Jamie Lee Curtis in attendance. She will be in attendance. Absolutely. Ask her if she wants to come on our podcast. Yeah, I'm sure she's got free time. She'll call. She'll just call in. You know, she'll just call in and be on the podcast. And then we're also getting the world premiere of Overlord, the new... Bad Robot, J.J. Abrams produced movie that looks like a fun take on sort of a Wolfenstein story of allied soldiers versus Nazi experiments. Okay. Now, you know what question I'm going to ask you right now. Is it Cloverfield? Is it Cloverfield or not? J.J. says no, but he's lied to us before. So what's the over-under on whether it's a Cloverfield Universe movie? I'm going to say under. I'm going to say it's not just because it's. World War II and Nazis, and it doesn't look like aliens, but... Maybe the origin of why Cloverfield started? <laughs> Who knows? <laughs> I care less about Cloverfield ever since Cloverfield Station. That kind of torpedoed oh, my interest. That Yes. Yeah, that was bad. Oh, I'm sorry. Cloverfield Paradox, wasn't that Well, what whatever called? the Netflix movie was, was terrible. Yeah. Yes. Anyway... <laughs> Okay, that's going to wrap it up for this week's episode. Adam, how can they follow us on the social interwebs? The best place is always Facebook. Uh, we're on facebook.com backslash filmcoterie. We're also on Twitter and Instagram. Same handle on both, at filmcoterie. Yep. And if you check out our website, filmcoterie.com, you'll see maybe more uh, uh, more in-depth reviews and our thoughts and uh, also other musings that we have outside of just our current uh, films that we are, are reviewing and rating. Um, so check out the film. Yeah. Check out the website too. We're very excited to continue to write and publish, um, film critiques there as well. So, uh, Adam, I think it's going to wrap it up. Yeah. We'll see you next week. All right. Catch you later.